0: You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at HelpForHD.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2,
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This pod- podcast is made possible because of an educational grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guest is Dr. Lori Quinn. Lori is Associate Professor of Movement Sciences and Kinesiology at Teachers College, Columbia University, and Adjunct Associate Professor in Rehabilitation and Regenerative Medicine at Columbia University Irving Medical Center. She's a research physical therapist at the HDSA Center of Excellence, uh, where she conducts research on motor function, physical activity, and exercise um, interventions in people with Huntington's. She's also a research fellow at Cardiff University in Cardiff, uh, UK, and since 2008, she's collaborated on many clinical trials on exercise and physical therapy interventions in people with HD. Uh, Laurie is the co-PI for the PACE HD exercise trial and was the lead author on the development of physical therapy clinical practice guidelines for HD published this year. Laurie, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Can you hear me? Thank you for having me. Yeah.
1: Right in here, um, being that it's uh, Christmas week and we'll try to get this done pretty fast. I know that, um, that we all want to get to our families and things like that. So before, uh, well, I ask every professional that comes on this podcast one specific question, and that is why did you
2: get involved with Huntington's disease? Um, Well, uh, I got involved with Huntington's disease uh, when I was just out of physical therapy school, a couple of years out of school. Um, I was working at, uh, I was actually a student at Teachers College where I'm on faculty right now, and they had a clinical traineeship program. And one of the places that they had a traineeship program was at JFK Hartwick, and there was a 16-bed Huntington's unit there. So I worked at that unit for a year, and I think as many people do when they work with people with HD, they get the HD bug, as we say, and I um, just became completely hooked from a professional standpoint. There was not a lot of research, there was not a lot of guidance for therapists about how to work with people with HD, and so um, I spent the year at that unit, and then I continued on and did um, research Um, In understanding some of the motor control impairments that people with HD have and that was part of my dissertation. Um, And then I, and I've just sort of stuck with it and continued on and have been doing it now for, yeah, it's going to be almost 30 years I've been working with people with HD. Which is so awesome. You know, and that's one of the
1: things uh,
2: you mentioned, getting
1: the HD bug. That's one of the things that I love about um, professionals and researchers is that a lot of times they just say, you know, with, after meeting families, they, um, they really just got a passion for it and wanting to help. And so um, I, I just love that um, that theme seems to be continuing, and we're certainly glad to have people on fire for HD
2: yeah and I, I will just say also there was um I mean it so much came from the the patients themselves, the family members, as you say, but another big piece for me was um some of the professionals that I worked with, um some the um nurses, you know, you know people like um Alan Rubin, Karen Martyr, who I work with right now, Carol Moskowitz, who I worked with for a long time. um there was just so many people who really influenced me and had such passion that was you know to be honest, contagious. <laughs> Yeah, that's great, and, and we certainly need
1: that continuing on as well to see those passionate professionals. So let me ask you, what, the, what is the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, PT and OT are both considered rehabilitation professions. Um, they both help people to move better, to function better in their daily life. Um, the distinction between the two tends to be that occupational therapists um, really sort of traditionally have worked to help people reengage in their occupations. And these can be things really often related to daily life skills. So being able to um, do their roles as a a caregiver, working in the home, or being able to, you know, cook and clean and do, you know, occupational kinds of, kinds of things um, They often work very much on people's daily living skills like getting out of bed and you know brushing their teeth and taking care of themselves but you know bathing um, so, and, and a lot of um, occupational therapists also work um, on people's upper extremities so their arm function and their hand function. Physical therapists will also work on a lot of those things but tend to work more on using exercise based intervention or activity based interventions. Um, very much focused on uh, gait and walking and mobility that's related to those kinds of of functions and things like balance um, abilities. So I will say that there's, um, and that's a a broad sweeping generalization, there's a lot of of overlap between the two professions, and we work really closely together. And I think in a lot of rehabilitation facilities and in in, um, multidisciplinary clinics, it's really beneficial to have both an OT and a PT who can work together, but sort of have have different emphasis on um, different aspects of mobility and and function.
1: And why is physical therapy so important in HD?
2: Mm. Well, that I could, I could talk for a long time about that. So I think first off, I'd like to say that, that physical therapy is so important from the earliest point in Huntington's disease, I would say from that is as soon as someone is diagnosed, that is um some of the work that I do at the h d. Clinic at Columbia is working with people soon after they have been diagnosed. Often on the day of getting the diagnosis, it is very, very difficult, um or you know, having um had the neurologist let them know that their their signs are congruent with h d <clears throat> It's a very difficult um day. But sometimes even in that that first day or soon thereafter, um, it's helpful for people to know that there is something that they can do to help the course of the disease. I know that there's so much right now, so much excitement with a lot of the interventions that are coming down the road, but exercise and activity and lifestyle can really have an important impact. And having people know that they have some agency, that they have some control, that there is something that they can do. And some of... I think the best moments in HD that I've had over the past years, I've talked to somebody newly diagnosed, and they come back to me a month later and say, "That was so motivational. I've started exercising, or I'm going for a walk every day, or I bought a you know stationary bike, and they feel better." Um, and and we think that it's not just from a functional and a movement standpoint. We do think it can help with a lot of the movement symptoms, sort of compensating for some of the problems that happen with HD. Um, But we also think that there's the potential for um, exercise, especially aerobic exercise, to have a neuroprotective effect. There's some evidence of this in other diseases, and we're working on evidence in Huntington's disease to show that if you exercise, maybe even before the onset of symptoms and early in the onset of symptoms, um, that it might help to provide neuroprotection of the brain and And that can actually maybe help to alter the the trajectory of the disease. It's certainly not going to cure it, but it might help people have a slower disease progression and certainly might help them to to manage um, better. And then I will just say once the disease um, uh, progresses, physical therapy is so essential to help um, with fall prevention, which is one of the major issues um, in HD and making sure that people don't get injured further from falls. And keeping independent um, mobility and ambulation. Um, so we really have a big emphasis on keeping people independent and ambulatory for as long as possible. We know from the research that once people start to um, lose their independent ambulation, a lot of things um, in terms, uh, you know, start to progress um, and go downhill. And so we really want to keep people having that level of independence. Well, my my
1: dad's a, a very good example of that, um, as this year, you know, he, he definitely saw a huge decline. And we started physical therapy early with him. Um, but, you know, this past year, he has lost that and has declined rapidly, um, you know, and there's not when we have the physical therapist come in, they said there's not much that they can do at this point. But I'm very grateful that we started physical therapy early because he's he's made it um for a very long time he you know with uh, with the disease um to the point that he did and it's just recently that we or just in this past year we really saw a decline
2: yeah i'm I'm sorry to hear that and I know that can be incredibly challenging when that Sort of, it's almost like a precipice, right, when you start to see that decline. And, you know, I would say even uh, at that stage when walking becomes much more difficult, there's obviously a huge emphasis from all rehabilitation professionals, and certainly nursing is involved with this as well is making sure that there's, you know, enhanced quality of life and still, whenever possible, being able to stand and walk and move with whatever ability um, is there. Because if anything, it's just for, for comfort. You know, our bodies are meant to to move. And so having whatever, you know, encouraging people or, or helping to maintain their ability to move is is so helpful. And it certainly does sound like if he started PT and kept, you know, being a- active early, you know, we, we do think, um, you know, we're hoping to show this research-wise, but anecdotally we see this with a lot of people who they just have a, a slower progression or at least an improved quality of life um, by having, um, you know, keeping mobile and, and, and keeping exercising. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Um, so what types of things does a physical therapist do with a patient?
2: Yeah, so um, I'll take it from kind of the different stages of the disease. So we're really trying to to push for um, uh, being able to help talk and advise people who are even in the prodromal stages of HD and in early HD. A big emphasis is just exercise engagement, and it's a lot of the kinds of exercises that you know pe- people do generally, and that have been shown to be beneficial for a wide range of health conditions. Um, But our research has shown that aerobic exercise in particular is really critical. So helping people get engaged on an aerobic exercise program that they can do, given what their motor abilities are. Um, We often recommend uh, stationary cycling for people because that's something that um, they can sort of coordinate, even if they might have some involuntary movements or difficulty with coordination. So we instruct people in that. Um, Balance exercises are really important from early on and also um, uh, flexibility or stretching exercises. So what happens uh, sometimes with HD is people have these involuntary movements. So they have chorea, but they also have dystonia, which is um, sort of an abnormal posturing of typically the arms and the trunk and the legs. And that can cause muscle imbalances, Um, and people can also get weakness over time, especially if they don't um, maintain activity. So what we try to do is um, use flexibility or stretching exercises to help counteract those muscle imbalances, as well as uh, strengthening or resistance exercises to do that. So those kind of three main facets are essential, Um, you know, Pre, prodromal and, and early stages of HD, but then once we start to get into more of the middle stages, um, it's a big emphasis on fall prevention. So working with people around what their you know uh, their their home situation, making sure that their environment is set up appropriately. Again, doing balance exercises, strengthening exercises, and then something that we call task-specific training. So understanding um, a task, breaking it down, understanding where the problems are, whether it might be walking, climbing stairs, you know, lifting bags, carrying laundry, and uh, trying to help people to be able to do those tasks and practicing those tasks. In a, in a way that helps them to almost almost sometimes relearn the skill and maybe make some adaptations or compensations. Um, and that kind of lastly is a, is a really big piece is, is compensatory strategies or adaptations and whether it might be prescribing assistive devices, um, special specialized chairs. That is a really big issue as we get into the middle and later stages is, very difficult sometimes for people to maintain an upright position in a chair so we have there's a lot of great supportive adaptive chairs that are out there so we'll make recommendations for that Um, and also for things like eating um, and you know mobility making sure that the the bathroom is safe um, all of those things so we really can take help to take a patient right through um, you know the stages of the disease but importantly You know, I think that therapists who work with people with HD know kind of what the progression is and can help say, you know what, I know that this might become a problem down the road. Let's try to do something now so that maybe we can prevent this. You know, we know that a lot of falls happen, you know, under certain conditions, and we can help work with people to help prevent those, as an example. So, um, yeah, we really try to to think about the whole, um, you know, range of the disease, but really trying to help ideally slow that progression of the disease and help people stay as functional as possible.
1: What I love about physical therapy is uh, it's proactive. Um, and, and I, one of the words that you just used is, is my favorite is adaptation. So it's one of the things I tell dad, um, you know, we have to adapt to whatever symptoms are showing. And, um, you know, we, we call it our new normal and, um mm-hmm and just learning how to adapt to that new normal. So that's one of the absolutely wonderful things about um, physical therapy is helping you adapt to that new normal and um, and also being so proactive in the um, beginning stages. And uh, as you mentioned, prodermal. Can you explain what prodermal is to everybody?
2: Yeah, so it's it's that period just before the onset of symptoms that can be sort of diagnosed or observed, and the way that it's defined right now in Huntington's disease is largely based on motor symptoms, which is often things like chorea or slowness, you know, the involuntary movement or slowness of movement. Um, we do know that it's not just motor symptoms that are often the first signs, but those are the most readily observable and most defined by HD, and so that's what is used as sort of the criteria for, for manifest HD, but there's a period of time that's at least uh, you know five to ten years where there's changes in the brain that are happening, and those changes are not resulting in overt symptoms, or you know, they probably could be cognitive symptoms or other symptoms, but a person isn't diagnosed. So it's a tremendous opportunity because we know that there's changes that are happening in the brain, but the person's still very functional and capable. And so if we can do some things like use aerobic exercise or have another kind of intervention, that can help um, kind of have a, have a neuroprotective effect on the brain and help um, create that, that healthy brain environment. You know, it may help to to slow the disease. It may help to develop compensatory pathways to compensate for the areas that are being damaged with HD. So it's a real, I think, period of opportunity um, uh, for people with HD. And, And again, this has been being discussed in a lot of different diseases.
1: Is there something in particular that you would recommend for the prodromal stage of HD as far as um,
2: physical therapy or or exercise? Yeah, so I'll say five days a week of aerobic exercise where you get your heart rate up to uh, a certain range. So we typically say somewhere between 65 and 85% of your heart rate max. And that's something that um, is somewhat easy to, to figure out. You can, a really quick way is if you take the number 220 and you subtract your age, that's going to be your maximum heart rate. And basically what that means is if you got on an exercise test um, and you, let's just say you want a bike or on a treadmill and you worked out as hard as you possibly could, your heart probably couldn't pump that much faster than that amount. Um, so that tends to be what we consider your, your maximum heart rate. And there's other more scientific ways to calculate it, but in my experience, it's, it's a pretty accurate, um, uh, quick predictor of, of what maximum heart rate is. And so you take a percentage of, so somewhere between 65 and 85% of that, and that's gonna get you a, a heart rate that you wanna aim towards working out at. Um, uh, there's some kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of the research has shown that working out at that higher intensity, even more towards 80 to 85%, um, that high level of intensity is, is actually potentially beneficial from a neuroprotective effect, and there's been some work done in Parkinson's disease, and we've done a couple studies in HD, um, but all in manifests that have been shown to, to actually improve people's motor scores and improve their fitness. So that would be my primary recommendation would be aerobic exercise. They, um, we suggest a minimum of, of five days a week, which I realize is a lot. So I think if you aim for five, if you can get three or four. I think that's great. Um, and then I would definitely do some strengthening exercises, just some simple body weight strengthening exercises, you know, squats, lunges, even things like sit-ups, push-ups, planks. Uh, planks is one of my favorite exercises to do. Um, these are all things that will keep your body um, strong, kind of ready, adaptable, Um, and, you know, again, can be really important for kind of, you know, helping with that disease progression. Awesome.
1: Is there one specific thing you would recommend to all patients with HD in regards to physical therapy?
2: Hmm, I would just say just try to keep moving, and it's something, as I say, I know a lot of people with HD have involuntary movements, and they're moving a lot. We've, been doing some some work and in looking into activity levels. And what we do know is that people with HDR, they do move around, they get up and they, they move, but they don't move for uh, long bouts of movement. So taking walks for extended periods of time, you know, they might get up and move from the kitchen to the to the living room or you know sort of short bouts of movement but these longer bouts of movement where you might go and take even just a 10 or a 15 minute walk around even just around your block or maybe might even be around your house Um, those longer bouts are really important to counteract some of the um, negative effects of sedentary behavior kind of sitting down a lot so that would be my my um, I think biggest advice is just find any way to get some longer bouts of movement and doing something that you enjoy and trying to adapt. If it's difficult um, to be able to find some ways to adapt, maybe going on a walk with someone, um, you know, if you can still engage in any sports or activities, I would try to do that for, for as long as possible. Um, a couple of people have talked to me about, people playing golf, um, you know, just, you know, even, even continuing to play tennis. I would just really encourage people, whatever it is that they're interested in and want to do, I would say that is just, um, it's so important.
1: Lori, I really appreciate you coming on this week and talking about physical therapy, especially with the holidays. And uh, I know everybody has been busy. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this.
2: Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for all of the um, the work that you're doing. The podcast is great. And I'm really, um, you know, honored and happy to be a part of it. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. And I just want to wish everybody a happy holidays. Um, you stay safe, uh, especially with COVID going on right now. And, um, you know, I, again, I I said this last podcast, but I know that we're all kind of having a really tough time not being able to see family members and um, whether they're in a, in a facility or um, you're just not able to go anywhere um, because of COVID-19 this year, um, please know that we're thinking of you, we're wishing you happy holidays and um, sending you lots of love. So everybody take care.
0: Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.helpforhd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help4HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help4HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.